All right, well, you can turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 5. While you're turning there, let me just say, uh, I'm not normally gifted on picking up social cues, but about eight of you told me that you guys are having a fellowship dinner after this, and so I think what you're trying to say is, hey, keep it short, let's move through this quickly. Am I reading that right? Am I reading the signs? (laughs) All right. Well, I'll tell you what, so just... For a conversation's sake, my pastor, uh, we had our church picnic, I think, three weeks ago or something like that, and I thought, all right, a short sermon. Uh-uh, he went like 45 minutes that day, so I don't know. He's my mentor. Maybe I'm just going to wear you guys out. Okay. Well, as you're turning to uh, um, Revelation chapter 5, I'll read a few verses. Uh, if you could, if you would, stand with me as we read. So what I'd like to do is read just a few Uh, verses from the passage that I'll preach from this morning. It's Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. It says, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. Let me stop right there. Can you say, Worthy is the Lamb? Let's say it together. Worthy Worthy is is the Lamb. Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Amen. Please be seated. Let me ask you to think for just a moment as we start the sermon. I want you to think of a time maybe when you had one view of something and, and you're, you're, you were kind of stuck on that one view. You only knew something from one angle, one dimension. Maybe it could be a person. It could be a thing. Uh, but you had, you had a view of it. And maybe your view was, great, whatever. You, you just had a view of this thing. But something happened to change your view of it. Something happened, and maybe it was a, an act of generosity or an act of kindness from a person. And suddenly they went from, eh, to, wow, great. Or maybe you've seen that antique roadshow. Maybe you took something out of your attic and you thought, eh, whatever. You showed it to somebody and they said, priceless. And you said, wow, great. You see how that works? You, 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 you thought you knew something. You thought you knew it. But then in a different light or a different angle, when we see the proper view of it, bam, it, it changes. It goes from good, maybe great, to wow. Let me talk to you really quickly about my relationship with outer space. Me and space have always gotten along, but it w- it's never been really great, you know what I mean? I just look up into the sky, and it's like, oh, dots in the sky, white dots. Fantastic. Do you see the Big Dipper? No. Do you see the Little Dipper? No. Do you see Orion's belt? No, I don't see any of that. I see white dots in the sky. I mean, I, you know, I I'd never looked through a telescope. I just didn't, you know, whatever. It, space, great. It's not, wow, it's great. Uh, well... All that changed. It probably changed for you, too, when you saw the images from the Hubble Space Telescope. Has anybody seen some of those images? It's like, I didn't know what space was. I didn't see it in a proper view until Hubble revealed it to me. And so can you guys pull that, uh, that image up there? Maybe I can just fast forward to it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Space, for me, went from white dots to something like this. Something like this. Something like this. That's a little bit different than white dots, isn't it? That's a little bit different than Big Dipper, Little Dipper, wow, to wow, this is great. See how Hubble 
gives us a true image of space. Let me keep going through here. There's Saturn. You know, when I used to see Saturn, somebody would say, look, right there, there's Saturn. Okay. It looks exactly like every other white dot in the sky. Thank you so much. No, it's Saturn. Okay. Well, now look at Saturn. Wow. I don't even know what that is. It's, it's wow. Another wow. Looks like a starfish. It's crazy. I think there's one of Jupiter. And I think my last one is maybe of the good old planet Earth. I don't oh, no. Like there's, see, isn't this great? And then that's the, the planet Earth. You can go ahead and turn that slideshow off. Thank you guys so much. Uh, here, here's what I want us to understand. Just like that, just like that, the book of Revelation is going to take our view of God and make it from God, great, to God, wow. I mean, John is taken up into the throne room and he gets to see God on his throne and he gets to see the 24 elders bowing down and worshiping and casting their golden crowns and then enters the Lamb of God in our passage and the Lamb of God comes in and it's, we knew Jesus before, but we're going to see him and it's going to be, wow, that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to have a wow view of Jesus. And so just like the space Hubble telescope gives us a proper view of space, so Revelation chapter 5 is going to give us a proper view of God. And if we have a proper view of God, that's going to inspire worship. That's my proposition for you this morning. A proper view of God inspires worship. A proper view of God inspires worship. Now you might be asking, well, if a proper view of God inspires worship, then what is a proper view of God? Or how do I get a proper view of God? Well, Revelation chapter 5 verses 1 through 14 are going to show us three different views of God, three different proper views of God. And so the first way, the first proper view of God we're going to get is that a proper view of God starts with the Lamb. A proper view of God starts with the Lamb. So let me read Revelation chapter 5, verse 13 for you. Revelation 5, 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them. That's fairly comprehensive, isn't it? It's like, John, could you be a little more to the point? No, he covered it all. And all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and glory and honor forever and ever. Here's what I want us to see. Jesus is our starting point for the worship of God. A proper view of God starts with the Lamb. If you see what's happening in the book of Revelation, uh, 1 through 3, we'll, we'll put that aside, but Revelation chapter 4, John is entering the throne room. He's called up into heaven, he enters the throne room, and he's standing there in, in the throne room of God. I mean, he's paralyzed with awe and fear, and he's sitting there looking at God. And God is worshipped. He's given all honor and glory and power, and he's given worth and value. These things happen in Revelation chapter 4. But then look at what happens in Revelation chapter 5. What John is trying to tell us is the very same worship that was ascribed to God Almighty who is seated on the throne is also ascribed to the Lamb. Now I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here and we all have an orthodox view of Jesus Christ that He is God. 100%. I know you know that. But that's becoming the minority view. I hate to tell you. That's becoming the minority view. In fact, what separates us from every cult out there? 
almost every cult that there is out there, they do something with Jesus. They strip him of his deity. They strip him of his 100% deity. Other cults might strip him of his humanity, but in these days, more, more than likely, Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, what do they do? Jesus is not the God, he is a God. He was a created being. That's what, that's what the cults are saying about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We hold the minority view. In John's day, it was that they were stripping Jesus of his flesh, his humanity. And so John dealt with both of those things when he was writing not only the Revelation, but when he was writing uh, the book of John. In fact, I want to share a passage out of the book of John with you. You can turn there if you want. You don't have to. Uh, you guys are probably very familiar with it. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 of John chapter 1, and then verse 14, and then verse 18. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John wants us to have no mistake in the book of John, nor in the book of Revelation, that Jesus Christ is God, 100%. He goes on to say, he was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so not only does he tell us that he's God, but he also gives us the attributes of deity. He was in the beginning. He's eternal. He's the creator of all things. He's powerful, omnipowerful. And then in verse 14, here's where he turns that corner for us. He says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. And so John dealt with two things. Jesus is 100% God, 100% man, with no intermingling, That's the orthodox view of Jesus Christ. That is not the popular view of Jesus Christ these days. Every Easter, you see the same thing in the newsstands. Who was the real Jesus? And what they want to do is they want to strip Jesus of his deity and find out his teachings, and they want to call him a good man. You can't do that. You can't do that. You take away his deity, then his death on the cross, it means nothing. And so John won't have any of it. Um, He goes on to say in verse 18, and this is really kind of the kicker, and this is where I want to twist it for us. No one has ever seen God, the only God, uh, no one one has ever seen God, comma, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known, and he's speaking of Jesus Christ there. Jesus Christ has made the Father known. That's our first point. A proper view of God starts with the Lamb. Why? Because the Lamb, Jesus Christ, has made God known to us. We know God because we know Jesus Christ. That's what John is telling us. Make no mistake about it. And so a proper view of God starts with the Lamb. Let's go back to our passage right now. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and... To the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Who is God going to share worship with? That little word and in there ties the Lamb to God. Who is God going to share worship with when He's seated on His throne? The Lamb, Jesus Christ. Why? There's our orthodox view of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so John is just giving us a lot of complex doctrine but he's laying it flat for us. Jesus Christ is God. So a proper view of God starts with the Lamb. Again, I, you know, it's like you're belaboring the point. I think we get it. I know you do. I'm preaching to the choir. I'm doing it for a reason, though. Because there's a lot of people out there who don't know what to do with Jesus. Every Easter, I tell you, you see the same thing. People are searching to try to figure out who is this man? 
What do we do with Jesus? John tells us what to do with Jesus. Well, we get down on our knees and we worship. That's what we do with Jesus. We worship him as God, very God. He's the Lamb of God. And so a proper view of God starts with the Lamb. We need to be telling our neighbors that a proper view of God starts with Jesus Christ. They need to hear that. All right, so a proper view of God starts with the Lamb. Secondly, a proper view of God recognizes His worth. A proper view of God recognizes His worth. Let me read Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 for us. Revelation 5, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw in the right hand of Him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so he can open the scroll and its seven seals. A proper view of God recognizes his worth. Uh, This is where the plot begins to thicken a little bit in the book of Revelation. This is where the plot begins to thicken because up to this point, John has been in heaven. He's had a view of God on his throne. And then uh, God is still seated on his throne in verses 1 through 5. And God has a scroll in his hand, and that scroll represents the judgment of the world. And so when those seals are broken, what's going to happen? Judgment is going to come on the things written in that scroll. And by the way, the things you and I have done are written in that scroll. And so God's judgment is going to come on the things in that scroll. But nobody's found worthy who can open it. Do you hear John weeping bitterly? He's weeping bitterly. It says he's weeping loudly. Why? Because he's very interested to see God's plan of redemption move forward. And God's plan of redemption is stalled. So right now, this story, there's a stall in heaven. And John is in, the, in viewing heaven and seeing everything that's going on. And God has that, that, that scroll in his hand. But no one is found worthy. And John is just weeping bitterly. He's weep, weeping loudly. Why? He wants judgment to come. He wants things to be made right. I will ask you this morning, do you ever just weep bitterly over sin? Not only sin that's been done to you, not only sin that you see in the world around you. I mean, there's an occasion for weeping every time we turn on the news. There's an occasion for weeping every time we read the newspaper. There's an occasion for weeping always. Why? Because we want things made right. We want things made right. The things that have been done to me, the things that have been done to you, some of these heinous, gross things, and then the things that we see in the world. We want them made right. And John wants judgment to come for the things done. But it's stalled. There's a pause. There's a break. Why? No one is found worthy. And then along comes the elder and taps John on the shoulder and says, hey, John, it's okay. There is one who is worthy. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has, what? Conquered. That conquered word is interesting. You guys know it, even though you don't know it. It comes from the Greek what? Nike. So if you've ever worn a pair of Nikes, that's what what conquer means or to overcome. That's a very important word in the book of Revelation. But there is one. That's what the elder is saying to John. He's saying, hey, hold up, hold up. 
There's no need to cry. There's one. There's one who's worthy. There's one who has conquered. And what has Jesus conquered? He's conquered sin and he's conquered death. And so because of that, he is the one who is worthy to judge. You and I aren't worthy to judge. Why? Well, it's called sin. We've got a little problem. We're stained with sin. We don't see purely. We're not right with God. We can't judge, but there is one who is, and that is Jesus Christ. So a proper view of God recognizes his worth. And so if we're recognizing the worth of the lamb, let's recognize first the worth of God. Chapter 4. I'm going to read chapter 4, verse 11. You can turn there if you want, but you don't have to. Uh, Notice with me that in chapter 4, God is said to be worthy. It says, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And so God's worth is tied to what? At least in this passage, God's worth is tied to the fact that he is the creator of all things, that he is all-powerful, he is our God. Notice what Jesus' worth is tied to. Jesus' worth is tied to the fact that he has conquered. And so they're ascribed worth for, similar, for, for, for different reasons. You know, we as humans have the strange ability to ascribe worth to things. Uh, so, so in my house, we have a bunch of old family albums. To me, they're priceless. You guys wouldn't pay a penny for them. I ascribe worth to them. Why? Because they're worth something to me. I ascribe worth to them. There are things that you have that you ascribe worth to. Uh, so, so somebody ascribed worth to a Hank Aaron rookie card. I did a little research for you guys. Hank Aaron rookie card. Somebody ascribed the worth of $170,000 to a Hank Aaron rookie card. It's not worth that much to me. I'm just not going to pay that for it. But somebody says it's worth it. And if I want it, then I have to ascribe that worth to it. We have the ability to ascribe worth to things. What is worth to you? What is most worth to you? I'll tell you, whatever that thing is, you better get rid of it and find Jesus because that's what's happening here. All worth is ascribed to Jesus here. Do you guys remember the pearl of great price? You guys remember the point of that parable? Sell everything, get the pearl. You guys remember the treasure buried in the field? Remember the point of that parable? Sell everything, buy the field. We have the ability to ascribe worth to things. I want you to make no mistake, ascribe all worth to Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing here in the book of Revelation, ascribing all worth to Jesus Christ. What means more to you than him? Sell it by the pearl. What means more to you than Jesus? Sell it by the field. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us. I spend an awful lot of time these days looking at my 401k. I'm starting to get to that point. Uh, fixed incomes just around the corner. I get it. Sell it. Buy the pearl. Sell it. Buy the field. Whatever you ascribe more ver- worth or more value to, guess what? It's going to perish no matter what it is. And even if you get it, you're going to die someday and leave it to your kids. It's like, come on. Sell it. Buy the pearl. Jesus. All worth. A proper view of God ascribes worth to the Lamb. Okay, so a proper view of God is going to inspire worship in us. That was the proposition. 
A proper view of God starts with the Lamb. A proper view of God recognizes His worth. Secondly, a proper view of God recognizes His work. Recognizes His work. Let me read Revelation chapter 5, verses 6-10 through 10 for you. It says, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a Lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four and living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Remember in, chapter, remember in verse 5, we learned that Jesus Christ has conquered. Here we learn that there is a lamb as though it had been slain. Here we learn that by his blood he ransomed a people for God. We're looking here at the work of Jesus Christ. He is being praised for his work. And what work is that? He came to this earth, and unlike you and I, he didn't fall into temptation. He didn't give in to sin. He was sinless, the righteous one. And undeserving of death, he took death anyway for you and I. And so all the sins of the, of the world are laid on his shoulder. And Jesus Christ takes that on himself to the cross. And God validates that death by what? Raising him from the dead. He didn't deserve death. Therefore, he could pay for our sins. Jesus Christ paid the debt. He paid for our sins. That's the work. The work is something you could never do. The work is you could never do that. You know, some of us are better than others. Some of us have more money than others. Some of us are better looking than others. You name it. There's a hierarchy. We have a pecking order. The way we do things, we say, oh, that person here, me down here, that person down there. And we always want to place ourselves on this pecking order. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. None of us could accomplish what Jesus could accomplish. We're all sinful. We're all sinners. There is no pecking order. It's Jesus and everybody else. Level playing field at the foot of the cross. Make no mistake, you're no better than the person next to you. You can't be. Only Jesus can do this thing. A proper view of God recognizes the work. And the work is Jesus Christ on the cross dying for you. But it doesn't stop there because Jesus Christ raised the third day. Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of God. Jesus Christ taking the scroll and opening its seals and judging sin once and for all. No more tears. No more pain. No more sorrow. That's what Jesus is doing. That's the promise of revelation. That's good news. A proper view of the, of the Lamb recognizes the work of the Christ, the Messiah. Again, you guys know this. People are like, Mr. Newfer, I've been going to church for so long. I know this. I know you know. But your neighbors don't. Your family doesn't. There are people who don't. The good news is always good news. That's why I'm not afraid to say it to you again and again, right? You know this. I know you do. But I'm telling you again. Because there are people that you know who need to hear this. They think Jesus was just some guy. No. No, a proper view of God recognizes his worth and his work. 
and the work of Christ is on the cross. When I flip through pages like this, that's good news. It means we're moving forward, and I didn't look at my notes, so who knows what I missed. Okay, so this leads us to our proposition. Listen, a proper view of God starts with the Lamb. A proper view of God recognizes His worth, and a proper view of God recognizes His work, and that leads us to our, prop- to our proposition. A proper view of God inspires worship. A proper view of God inspires worship. I'm going to read Revelation chapter, 10, or chapter 5, verses 10 through 14. Read with me. Looks like it might be 11. Uh, Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. Do you see just how comprehensive this is? There's not a knee that's not going to be bowed to, to the Christ one day. There's not a soul that is not going to be in submission to Jesus Christ someday. And so today, if you know folks who aren't in submission or if you're not in submission to the Christ yourself, it's time to get that straight because guess what's going to happen in eternity? The Lamb is going to stand up and take that scroll and He's going to judge sin. And those who are not found in Him will have to stand for their own sin. I mean, you guys know what hell is. Hell is the absence of God. It's the absence of all good. But you know what heaven is? It's all good. That's good news. No more pain, no more sorrow. It's all good. Why? Because we serve a good God. This reminds me of Philippians chapter 2. Paul declares what? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, so this is the conclusion of the matter. Worship God. Hey, listen, just like the, the Hubble telescope gives us a proper view of outer space, hey, I hope, your, I hope your view of space went from space, great, to wow, with the Hubble Space Telescope. Wow, amazing. I hope Revelation chapter 5 takes your view of God and it goes from God, he's great, to God, wow. I wrote a few things down for us to think about. Do you see the supreme and only God of the universe sitting on His throne? That's what John wants us to see. Do you see the Lamb taking the scroll and beginning to break the seals and judge sin? Do you see the four and living creatures and the 24 elders worshiping continually around the throne? He is worth it. Do you feel John's pain over God's over the wait for God's final judgment on sin and death and and the devil? Are you sick of your own sin? Are you sick of the sin of this world? I hope that you are. I hope you weep bitterly occasionally over sin. Can you see and hear the myriads, time myriads, singing praises to God? 
I loved hearing your voices this morning, by the way, singing praises to God. It reminds us of what's happening in heaven. Myriads time, myriads are singing praises to him. Are you delighted with joy over the lamb who was slain, but who has conquered and is now the supreme one worshiped by all? Does the lamb delight you? I hope, it do- I hope he does. Are you ready to sell everything and get Christ? Are you ready to sell everything and get Christ? I hope that you are. More or less, do you have a proper view of God? All right, let me pray for you all. Father in heaven, we do love you and we do praise you and we do thank you um, for the book of Revelation. Lord, it is a mysterious book, but some things are just so clear. Uh, And in the book of Revelation, we just get a clear picture of you and we get a clear picture of the Lamb. And we see, Lord, what you're going to do with eternity. You're going to make things right and it's going to be all good. And Lord, we desperately want to be found in you. But not just us, Lord, we want our neighbors to be found in you. And so as I preach the same old story, uh, let it be music to our ears and let it, let it prick our hearts. Let it spur us to action. You know, the commandment that you gave us is that we should love one another as you loved us. That's a tall challenge, but it starts, I think, with telling people about you. And so would you help us to do that, Lord? Lord, thank you for a proper view of you from the book of Revelation. Amen.